Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we love you, we bless you, we thank you for everything. Don't forget, this coming Sunday morning, boy, we got a really big thing ready for you. So we're going to have a great time this Sunday morning and Sunday night. Um, it's been such an honor to have Brother P.J. Abraham from India with us, great servant of God, over 300 churches in India, orphanage, and so many wonderful things. And so it's been so great having him. And... Uh, you know, we had Brother Barbar from Pakistan, and we showed his picture Sunday. We were able to help him get that computer. To, uh, we were able to bless our brother because we want to sow in India. And then uh, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, we have Teen Challenge coming. Both the men and the women are coming. 40 to 50 are going to be here and it's with testimonies. And then we have Brother Egan Falk from Africa who will be here in just a few weeks. And so, I mean, Pakistan, India, Africa. And Teen Challenge, the streets of America. So we are, we are a blessed people, aren't we? We praise you, Jesus. We praise you for fulfilling your word. Thank you, Father, for this body and you're building your church. And, Lord, using us to reach the world. Lord, thank you for the awesome reports that have come in of Haiti. Lord, the fasting, the prayer, and the 101 voodoo priests that were converted just this last few weeks. And, Lord, all the things that are coming in, and we'll share more about that on Sunday. But, Lord, we praise you for what you're doing. You are the Lord over this world. You are Lord over this nation. You are Lord over our lives. Let our lives be pleasing to you. And Lord, tonight we, we study your word. And we celebrate the sacrifice, the atonement of Jesus our Savior. We are humbled. That you sent your son. You were so willing to come for us. You were so willing and joyful and eager to die for us. We're humbled at your glory and your love. Your mercy. We praise you for the precious cross. We thank you for the revelation of your word that sets us free and those that shall be set free yet. And we give you the glory and the praise for it. In the precious name of Jesus and the church says, Amen. We want to study more. We won't worry about going to Romans. Is that right? Romans 3. But let's go to Romans chapter 4. And we study more what Paul is just so passionate and revealing, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, get on the internet, look at the archives, get the CD, whatever it has to, but listen to last week's message as we tie in. But in Romans chapter 4, verse 24, listen to this. For our benefit, for our benefit too, Uh, um, when you study this, he is so real. I just, I'm, we're just in awe at you, Jesus. As the word just flows, the blood, God just flows through this word. For our benefit, David's getting out all of his benefits. For our benefit too. For the benefit of the 97% of the unconverted in India. For our benefit too, assuring us that God will always count, also count us right if we believe in him. 
the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And this is so important for tonight's message. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. We'll see tonight the power of the resurrection to prove. Not only his death proves that I'm forgiven. His res- he, he had to be raised to prove that we're forgiven. His resurrection doesn't only prove he's alive. His resurrection proves that we are alive. Freed from sin and death and hell. And alive unto him by the glory of Jesus Christ. The message says the same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life. When the conditions were equally hope, equally hopeless. You see that? Jesus had to get as hopeless as we were and maybe we are. To prove that no matter how hopeless any person can be in a life of death and sin, he is still able to raise us up. No matter how hopeless someone is, is in the prison or on the streets or walking the streets or someone is in a a, a relationship or out of a relationship. No matter how hopeless the situation may be, Christ had to be totally in a hopeless situation. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He had to get to the very bottom. Totally depended that his only hope and future would be that God would raise him from the dead. And God raised him from the dead to prove to us tonight we're forgiven. And not only that, we have a hope. The sacrifice Jesus, listen to this. The sacrifice Jesus made us, made us fit for God and set us right with God. To think, you know the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So you make sure that you and your wife at midnight, you get it right before you go to sleep. But to think, and you you want to get it right with each other, but oh, how much more? I got it right with God. Jesus set us right with God. That's a powerful word. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body. Like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. By giving his son... As a sacrifice for our sins. He did this. So the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We no longer follow our sinful nature. But instead follow the spirit. Are you thankful for the spirit of God tonight? Freed. He freed you. We're free. We're free. We're free. We're free by the atonement of God. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. To be the moral and by faith please God and honor God in every way that he may be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. Wow, he completed the old. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, look at verse 1, that he may free us. Romans 6 verse 1, I'm building up to where we got to go tonight. It's all good news. It's all good news. Studying this today, my, my heart is just so full. Well then, this is the living Bible, verse 1. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Oh, oh, no. Since we have died to sin, we can no longer continue in it. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death 
For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ, here we are with the connection. Here we are with the identity. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power, the glorious power, the glorious power, the power that Christ hoped in as he gave his life of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Somebody shout out, live new lives. Woo! Mm. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also have been raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives and we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also will live with Him. We are sure of this because we are sure of this. We are sure that our sins are forgiven. We are sure that our names are in the Lamb's book of life. We are sure that all our errors, our wrongs, generational curses, we know that anything and everything that could have been written or have been written or can be written or will be written against us, we know that there will be nothing that can hold its ground. Why? Because as Jesus was raised from the dead, it's a sure thing to reveal to you and I, all of our sins have been forgiven and we have received the benefit that that Jesus died and was raised again to prove to us that we are free. We are free from hell. We are free from the devil. We are free from the lifestyle of sin. We are free to live for the glory of God. We are free from sickness and the curse. We are totally free by the propitiation of His blood as we'll see in a minute. And He will never die again. Nor will you. He died once to break the power of sin. And now that He lives... He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, something way better than any other lifestyle. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin, no longer, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does it mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Who wants to? Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be the slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God! Once you were slaves to sin, but now wholeheartedly obey His teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Yes. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you, were let, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led deeper into sin. But now you must give yourselves to slaves to righteousness, living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You, were, you are now ashamed of the things you used to do, the things that end in eternal doom. But now, you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things which lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free, God, free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I hear an amen, church? Oh, hallelujah. It's all about living for Jesus now. A new, a new life, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. Mm. New standard. We studied that two weeks ago, the new standard. His resurrection was proof. Of his innocence. His resurrection is proof of your innocence. His resurrection was proof that God forgave him of our sins. His resurrection is proof that you're forgiven of your sins. His resurrection was a demonstration of God's capability of conquering sin through him and on him. And the guilt of all of our sins that were put upon him was removed. God's declaration of perfect righteousness of His Son representing us and declaring His death, His sacrifice, acceptance of Him and of us. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3.
1 Peter 3, verse 16. I love this. And without controversy, there's no question. <laughs> Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up in glory, and can I add, and now lives in you. <laughs> wow. Now lives in you. To think that we are acquitted in him. Let me show you. Look at Matthew chapter 121. The very prophetic word of Jesus at the beginning. Matthew 121. I'm just laying some foundation as we get into what Romans wants to teach us tonight. Matthew 121. His resurrection certified you as a son and daughter of God, free, clean, and forgiven. Matthew 1, 21 prophesied this about Jesus. It says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. Everybody say it. Jesus. Say it. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it before the angels. Jesus. Say it before his father. Jesus. Say it loud. Jesus. Jesus. And he will save his people. That's, we're his people. From their sins. Oh, glory to God. Is that good news? Oh, that's good news. That is good news. Romans 3.24. As we get into this a little bit tonight. Just continues what Paul has been saying. About us being free. Because he spent three chapters Chapters 1 to 321, all about the sinfulness and the curse and the evilness and the sickness of sin. And he gets to the point now where he's been on salvation. And we're on verse 24, and it says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. Uh, I'm not a good speaker but you can read it in your Bible for yourself I'm so deep into Greek that it's hard to speak English tonight to demonstrate his righteousness your demonstration of his righteousness your demonstration of the resurrection your demonstration of the healing power of God your demonstration of the for forgiving power of God whatever you start feeling yourself less than anything you just remember you are a demonstration of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ your demonstration of the power of God that's operative in you every moment that you are alive and throughout eternity because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And hopefully we can get to that, the just and the justifier tonight. But I want to talk to you a little bit. The word redeem means to be delivered out of enslavement to sin, death, and hell. And I love this. If you're taking notes, the word there, and I have it here in, in exagorazo, something like that in Greek. It means to, to be delivered out of something, never to return again. You need to write that down. His death and burial resurrection sealed the covenant that you have been delivered and you have been redeemed never to return again. Hallelujah. That's why Paul was talking about how can we continue the old lifestyle and the old sin. Who wants to return back from where we've been delivered from when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good? How many is with me tonight? Amen. That God is so good. I mean, how can you trade worshiping in church for worshiping on Bourbon Street? How can you trade going to the joints when you can come to church and you can have church in your own bathroom when you're taking a shower or in your bedroom on the side of your bed or driving down the road worshiping and praising the holy name of Jesus Christ? I mean, how can we go back? How can we return to what he's delivered us from? The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us. And I put there, the Greek means Christ has redeemed us never to return again to the curse. Being a made curse for us, for curse it is, it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, Galatians 4, 5. To redeem them that we may never return again who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 
He delivered us by paying a price. Timothy 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver, gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but we received something true and real from God our Father. Amen. I'll read a few scriptures to you. Leviticus 17.11. Last week we went through some of the scriptures and it just made some things alive tonight. Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. Remember that word, uh, altar, to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Remember that word, I've laid you upon, I've laid, given it to you upon the altar. Now, Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Romans 3, 24, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, For you are redeemed, bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Say, my body, my body, and my spirit. My soul belongs to my God. He paid for it. He owns it. It is His. The enemy and the world, disease, sickness, the curse cannot touch what belongs to my God. My owner, He who paid for me. Mm. 1 Corinthians 7, 23, you are bought, redeemed with a price, and you are not servants of men. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Hebrews 9.15, for this cause he is a mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which were called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 1.18.19, for as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood. Somebody shout out the precious blood. The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 2 Peter 2, 1, but there are false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought, redeemed them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song. This is going to be our future song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation. Glory to Jesus Christ. And Revelation 14, 3 through 4. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. The reason you sing it as a new song, because every moment there's going to be something new about God to behold. They say that the angels fly around the throne of God and the reason they shout out holy, holy because every time they fly around God they see something new about Him. And so they say, how are you going to sing an old song like it's a new song because every moment it's going to be like a new song like every time you hear the story it's like hearing a new story it's like hearing the story over and over and over again. They sung a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders and no man could learn the song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are they that were not defiled with women and they were virgins and they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were the redeemed among men being the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. How many want to be fruits unto God and to the Lamb? Amen. The word there, we were we were looking at was propitiation hmm? how you say it propitiation close enough 
pitch, ah, propitiation. A sacrifice, a satisfaction, a payment, an appeasement for sin. The one who was sent forth, the one who ordained Christ to be the propitiation and the sacrifices for men's sin. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 1. Because it speaks about how God had preordained and preplanned this from the beginning. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I just love to soak in the story. God sent his son. It's not just a story for Christmas, it's a story when I wake up and it's a story when I die. He presented Christ a body. It says, long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins. He sat down in the place of the honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Cleansed us from our sins. What an awesome story. Cleansed us from anything that doesn't resemble God so that everything now, just like Jesus, can resemble the Father. I love to live to be in the demonstration to God as another Christ-like person. Like another son. Propitiation means he was the sacrifice for our sins. The covering for our sins. The satisfaction for our sins. The payment for the penalty of our sins. And the appeasement of the wrath against us. The Hebrew gives a definition that is an action intended to alter the human condition of guilt. And to establish the grounds for reconciliation. That when you and I knelt at the cross by faith and we received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the foot of the cross became the grounds for reconciliation, a total restoration and reconciliation between God and man. The veil was ripped so that we could enter into the Holy of Holies ourselves and be present with God who cleansed us, Jesus, who cleansed us from our sins so that we could walk free through the blood of Christ Jesus. And all of this is because Jesus was willing to give his life for us. Willing to shed his blood for us. The supreme sacrifice of all that he did for us. While we're in Hebrews, look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made on every respect like us. We keep hearing about him going back to us. So that he can bring us back to him. And now we can be like him because he was made in every respect like us. He was made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be mindful, be, be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. So he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Can I hear an amen? amen. I love the message. It says, it is obvious, of course, that he didn't go through all this trouble for angels. Well, no. It was good. I, I have to find that later. It says in 1 John it says in 1 John 2, 1 through 2, My little children, these things are right unto you that you sin not. And if any man does sin, how many sin here? Okay, half of us. I'm so glad the rest of y'all got victory. I'll let y'all preach next week. <laughs> if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is, here it is, propitiation for our sins. Not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4.10, here in his love that we loved God, but that, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Luke 18.13, a 
And the publican standing far off would not lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but smote his breast and saying, God, be propitiatious to me, a sinner. That was that word there, merciful, propitiatious. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want to show you something here when it talks about propitiation, because the Greek word means the Hebrew word out of Exodus chapter 25. And I want to show you what it's talking about here in Exodus chapter 25, verse 17. God has given the orders here to build the Ark of the Covenant. And Exodus 25, verse 17, it says, And you shall make a mercy seat. Somebody shout out mercy seat. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubims of gold. How many know? Jesus didn't have two cherubims. He had two thieves. Of hammered work. You shall make that at the ends of the mercy seat. Make one of the cherubim at one end. And the other cherubim at the other end. And you shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it at one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out his wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. And you shall put on the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which on the Ark of the Covenant. But everything which I give you in a commandment to the children of Israel. The word propitiation is the Hebrew word, C-A-P-R-E-T. And it's the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Propitiation in Hebrew is the word for the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the seal. It was the place of the revelation of Yahweh. It was the place where God would meet and speak and minister to his people. It was the place where the blood would be applied. And when Jesus became the propitiation for our sins in our life, the cross became the lid of the covering of the altar of God. The wooden cross became the covering of the Holy of Holies. And Jesus' blood, the perfect lamb, was shed upon the lid of the mercy seat so that the mercy seat of God in heaven would never be shut again. That the presence of God would be for eternally opened for you and I. The ark had disappeared years before the crucifixion. There was no ark. There was a veil. And there was ritual and tradition. But when Jesus died, Calvary became the altar. Where the cross sealed redemption for mankind forever and ever and at the cross, his blood became the covering on the mercy seat. The word appropriation means the place to deposit sins to then be covered by the blood. And when we get saved, we go to the cross by faith and we go to the altar of God. And we deposit all of our sins and all of the curse that our sins have brought upon us and all of the wrong choices and all of the lifestyle and all that's displeasing to God and all that is not Christ-like. And we bring it and we pour it all upon that cross at the foot of the cross. And his blood comes down and just washes us and covers it and cleanses it to where it would never be brought up or can be brought up again. It becomes our covering. We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. God did not punish man 
for his sin by destroying all flesh. All, all, listen to this. God did not dis- destroy man off of the earth because of their sin. We see that he, he, many died at different times during the Old Testament, but he never destroyed all of men. He kept the lineage going to where Jesus could come, and he waited to destroy Jesus in place that of all the millions of people who had lived and practiced in sin. He refrained from killing people on this earth. He was waiting to kill his son. He was waiting to kill Jesus. So many times we cry back, why doesn't Jesus come back? Why don't he just come back? Because of the people who yet have not heard the gospel. Why didn't he just destroy them with Moses? Why didn't they just destroy them? Why, didn't, why did he leave Noah and his sons? Why didn't he just destroy and start all over again? He left someone to continue because he was waiting for the time when Jesus would be born and he would take it all out on Jesus. He took it all out on Jesus. He took it all out on Jesus. And mankind want to blaspheme the name. And they want to belittle the name. But it will always remain the name above all names. It will always remain our covering, our forgiveness, our sanctification, our justification. He waited for Christ, the perfect sacrifice, condemning sin in his flesh so that we could be made perfectly righteous with him. Is that powerful or is that powerful? He accepted the death of Christ as a substitute for our sins and of course, you know Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24, 1 Peter 3, 18, that he suffered for our sins so that we could be justified, that we could be healed. He being the justifier of all who believe, God takes our faith and accounts us as righteous, and he takes our faith and judges us as acceptable to him. And let me just give you two more, a uh, few more scriptures, and I'll quit. Ephesians chapter 1. But it is just so good. Ephesians chapter 1. That's why so many times people say, you know, pastor, I'm just paying for my past. Oh, no. Jesus paid so much for your past. Well, you know, I'm just reaping what I sowed. No, Jesus, he reaped it all on Calvary. He suffered for and received all of the payment for all the penalty or wrong you could have ever done. And it says in Ephesians 1, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to the dear, his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance And he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to turn to Christ would bring praise to the glory of God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who he promised long ago. 
The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did so so that we would praise and glorify Him. Do you love Him tonight? Do you praise Him? Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Now I want to show you something here. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created and, and supreme over all creation. And through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdom, rulers, authorities, other things in the world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Verse 18, look at this. And Christ... Not Russell Cobb or anyone else. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning and supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I want to share something with you, church. My brother PJ from India tells so many different stories of the people who have to be baptized in water at 2 or 3 in the morning so that the Hindus do not see and kill and burn down their houses and all the different things. They have to do things by darkness. The reason Christ was crucified on Calvary in daylight and everything was done for people to see God wanted to make sure what he's saying here God wanted to make sure that everything that God did and, and G, all the sacrifice of Jesus was plainly visible nothing was done in our corner it had been talked about from the beginning of the world and it came into being it was always clearly stated and when he did it it was clearly seen it shall always be clearly seen it was not done in a corner it was not hidden it was not even hidden in symbols and signs he truly became God in flesh and gave his life for all mankind and so if he could be so bold to be in the public to show everything that God had planned how can we hide our testimony that we ever belong to Jesus Christ how can we ever be ashamed that the one who gave his life for me? How can we ever be ashamed of his gospel? How can we ever be ashamed and, and be silent about what righteousness stands for, what God stands for, what his truth stands for? How can we ever silence our voices? He didn't silence his voice when he was on the cross. How can we silence our voice and how can we back up from righteous truth and indignation? How can we ever back up from what he quotes as truth and what he says is right? When Jesus went all out in the light to show and reveal to us what God meant by it all. And Romans chapter 4 verse 26 says God's justice. Ju God is just and God's justice came together. Listen to this. Sin required God to act. And so what happened to Jesus on the cross was God reacting and responding to sin. If you ever say... God is punishing me for my sin. You're denying the power of the blood. Because God responded to sin on Christ in his sufferings forever and ever. I do not have to pay. You do not have to pay. God responded by, to sin and about sin on the cross of Calvary, on his whipping, his scourgings, the crown of thorns. But when it says God's justice and just met together, what that means right there was that God's just and the justice, which means love, was compressed together and that's why David said that righteousness and mercy kissed each other they were compressed together and the justice of God and the love of God was compressed together as one and therefore when you accept Christ the justice has already been done the love of God absorbed the justice the, the life of Christ absorbed the punishment the life of Christ absorbed the curse 
The life of Christ absorbed sickness and disease. The life of Christ absorbed your name in the book of hell to write in the Lamb's book of life. His body absorbed everything against us. And then crucified to the backside of the cross and covered it with his blood and became the seat of God. As our merciful God and Savior forever. And all the wrong against us was compressed into that love. And now God looks at you and all he says is, I love you. And what was accounted against you? He says, no, I love you. I love you. I love you. But God, look what I did. He says, look what my son did. Look what I did to my son. Everything I did to my son, I responded to the sins of the past. It was a response. I, I had to respond for the justice. I had to respond about uh, the fall of Adam on the second Adam. I had to respond to it. I had to deal with it. And everything was taken out on Christ's body. And when we take communion, we are doing, a mem- we are doing the memorial of his body that absorbed it all. And his blood that covered it all. And we can lay our hands before a holy God, before the mercy seat of God, of Christ Jesus, and say, I am free, I am forgiven, and I am loved by God Almighty. <laughs> I am a son of God. So that's why, Brother Chris, that's why, that's why we say we are free, saved, and forgiven. How do you know you're going to heaven when you die, because Jesus raised from the dead. What does that prove? I'm forgiven. I'm loved and I'm accepted. I'm not going to hell. But I'm not given the satisfaction of belonging to the devil on this earth. He purchased me. He, and God owns me. And I'm not giving the devil the satisfaction of a day of me serving him anymore. I am serving my Father, my God, and my Master. Amen. Let's stand up. Yes, what an honor. What an honor. Mm. Oh, Father, we come before you. And Lord, there is so much power and mystery in these words tonight. That the words that came out of my mouth is so weak compared to your spirit that's available to impact it in every heart and manifest it, demonstrate it in every life. Jesus prayed in John 17 that the glory and the love you manifest and demonstrated to him may it now be demonstrated to us. We praise you for the perfect work that your justice was met by the justification or the love, the mercy, the acceptance, the propitiation of the blood of Jesus Christ and absorbed the penalty of all death, destruction, curse. We praise you that you redeemed us by your blood. And in that Lamb's book of life, our names are written as your children. We praise you for the privilege that we will sit around as your bride, that table, and share that supper with you that day and be united to you forever. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit you manifest and you reveal in the heart of everyone who's ever struggled about being good that there is no good except in the faith of righteousness that Christ gave us. And by knowing and believing in that, that makes us good. We receive your sacrifice as you hung, not between two angels, but between two thieves and in the very same type of body that we sinners have. But you gave your life that was sinless. That you took the full punishment to set us free. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for it. Thank you, Lord, for saving. Thank you for saving us. Your head is bowed, your eyes are closed.
If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior and you are not sure if your sins are forgiven and your name is in the Lamb's book of life and if you would die, whether you would go to heaven or hell and you would like to get it right tonight, if you have never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus and you would like to tonight, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? Raise your hand if you would like to accept that sacrifice tonight if you have not. Anyone at all? If you have accepted it, can you shout hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> can you praise the Lord? Can you praise the Lord? Oh. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Mm. It is finished. Mm. It is finished. The little bit of control the devil might have tried operating over your life be broken in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. May everything that still is a hint from the old life, may it be destroyed by the power of the resurrection of the Holy Spirit in your life tonight. Any hint, any wrinkle, any spot, may it be destroyed by the power of the Spirit and the Word of Christ washing us and cleansing us through His Word. Glory be to God tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, we love you and we bless you. We have a wonderful story. We have you own the truth. Own it. Own it. This, this is mine. This is my truth. This is my truth. I own. Every promise in here, I own it. Every story in here, I own it. This is mine. You asked the old men of God if you could have your house and if you could, or the Bible, if you could have your life or if you could have the Bible. They always wanted the Bible. Why? I own this. The house is going to be destroyed. This life is going to be destroyed. Whatever you can give me, whatever you offer me can be taken away and destroyed. But I own this. This is mine. I own it. I own this promise. You own it. Walk as you own it. Live as you own it. Live in the ownership of it because he owns you. The author of this owns you. And he's given this to you for you to own his promises. Amen. Do you receive it tonight? Hallelujah. Well, we bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray with you, anoint you with oil, but we love you. Greet one another. Meditate upon his goodness. Let it soften your heart and your spirit towards God. And don't forget, we're going to see you Sunday morning. We're going to have a good time. God bless you. We love you. Amen.